Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to talk about something that is actually the most common reason why people stay home from work after the common cult, and also one of the best-kept secrets we have, irritable bowel syndrome, which is also called a spastic colon, or, or referred to as IBS. Now, IBS is a disorder that leads to stomach pains or feelings of cramps in the stomach. Now remember that the stomach is directly connected to the brain in ways that the nerves that are causing stress can cause the intestines to become more sensitive and have a tendency to squeeze or contract contract when we are stressed. So IBS is something that often begins in teenage years and is twice as common in women as in men. About one in six people in the U.S. have symptoms of IBS, and this makes it the most common stomach problem. So today's guest is Dr. Nuno Ferraria, who is a teaching fellow in clinical psychology at the University of Edinburgh. Nuno is the co-author of a new book that just came out, Using ACT for IBS. This book is called uh, Better Living with IBS. You can read more about Nuno and his new book by clicking on his name on this week's program, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, on webtalkradio.com. Remember that ACT is about opening up to experiences inside of us, like thoughts or feelings and sensations, as opposed to shutting down and avoiding. And once we learn to open up, the next step is to learn to become more aware. And this means to be able to study closely what the components are that we are feeling. These are mostly thoughts that come and go and physical sensations. So when we can see thoughts as thoughts and not as truths, and when we can see sensations as sensations, rather than, for example, my painful stomach, we become aware of the true nature of what we are feeling rather than what we think we are feeling. And the third step of ACT is to engage actively in behavior that brings us forward towards the life we want to live. Nuno is going to show us how to use these ACT principles for irritable bowel syndrome. Welcome, Nuno. Welcome. To, thank you, Joanne. So tell me, Nuno, 
what what got you interested in an act for IBS? Well, John, it was a, a mix of uh, several things. It was um, my own clinical experience working with people who have chronic or severe or enduring uh, physical illnesses. And I always had this question in the, in the back of uh, my mind, you know, of the people I, w I was seeing, you know, why do some of these people seem to adjust so well to their illness while others, you know, struggle with it so much, they try to fight it so much. Um, and also there was a, you know, there was a bit of a sense of uh, taboo or uh, shame of, uh, even from professionals, about approaching something like IBS, which is, you know, related to uh, what's, uh, what are very, um, you know, uh, embarrassing uh, subjects for, uh, for some people. Uh, things related to their gut, to their stomach and how, and how it behaves. Yeah, I, I also thought about that um, since uh, IBS or actually um, problems of defecation are mm -hmm. so common and so, I mean, literally life important to be able to, for this to work, why there's so little interest? I mean, we have these huge cancer institutes, uh, we put money into heart transplantations, which are so rare uh, as compared to this. Well, why do, what do you think? How can you explain this? Well, there's, there's historical uh, reasons uh, um, in terms of, uh, you know, it's, all, it's always been uh, because it's, it's a dirty, in a way, in a, dir uh, in a, way, in a sense, a, a dirty subject. It's always been uh, kept away and there's societal pressures to, you know, you don't talk about these things. Uh, on the other hand, you have also the side of um, you know it's the it's the you know it's it's used to make jokes. It's used in a, in a very depre um, uh, in you know in a way that deprecates uh, people and dep deprecates uh, people's emotions and feelings. So uh, in just. Both of these have kept these uh, these issues uh, sort of under the rug for uh, for many years. Okay, so it's just not a glamorous problem, is that right? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the th the kind of thing you would see on a, on an episode of a medical show on TV. Or something <laughs> like that. So, so Nuno, tell us um, what exactly is IBS. Well, it's 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 a particular type of uh, disorder. Um, it's uh, as you said already. It's uh, characterized by things like you know pain in the stomach or the tummy or uh, just general discomfort, and it's usually associated with um, you know changes in stool habit. That's basically how often you go to to the bathroom or stool consistency. So basically, how your uh, how your feces look uh, mm. in a way. Uh, it's also it also uh, has a lot of associated symptoms that you know they're not part of the diagnostic of IBS, but they're, they're, they're commonly associated with this uh, condition, which you know are things like bloating, heartburn, uh, flatulence, uh, things like painful sexual intercourse. Uh, how how is that associated with, for example, painful sexual intercourse? What? Uh, I'm sorry, you have to repeat. If, if, how is, uh, why would that be associated with painful sexual intercourse? 
Well, uh, it, it has to do with, um, uh, again, as you said, the, the sort of nerve connections uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the gut area. Um, specifically, uh, I don't want to be too technical, but what's called the enteric nervous system, which is a, a nervous system that's completely separate from the central uh, nervous system that affects all these sort of peripheral regions in the gut and uh, the genital organs would be sort of uh, included within that, that system. And, uh, and is that why um, often when we talk about that I have a gut feeling or my gut is telling me, uh, is, is that... Would that be an explanation for that, that actually the stomach does have to do with, um, it's a very sensitive area? Well, it is, it is you know, it's essential to, to life itself. Um, it does communicate with the brain in many ways through, uh, through, through our spine. There's a lot of nerve endings and connections there. Um, and, uh, you know, when we say, you know, I have a gut feeling, you know, this is always associated with sort of uh, experiences that we have, you know, when we have a certain emotion, uh, for instance, if we're a bit anxious, we might feel a bit of a cramp uh, in our stomachs, or uh, if we're, uh, uh, you know, if, uh, if we're frightened, if we're, uh, if we're angry sometimes even, you can, you know, you can feel sort of a, a people, uh, uh, you know, uh, often say, uh, describe it as a knot in your stomach, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of Mm -hmm. or butterflies in your stomach. So uh, it's the, the association between emotional experiences and uh, how we feel, how we experience this. Uh -huh. is something that's quite uh, historical and traditional. Okay. This as you, now we talked about negative things, but could that also be positive things? That you know, when you say you're going to choose a partner, and you maybe have a gut feeling that well, you know this is the one. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, the, the, the sort of feeling of, uh, you know, recent uh, enamored lovers who say, you know, when I saw him or her, I felt butterflies in my stomach. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's, uh, it goes both ways. Uh, it goes uh, with, uh, with the sensation of, uh, of emotions. Okay, so in that way, that it's a very important guide to us, uh, how our stomach is feeling. Maybe it's not necessarily a negative thing that... Our, our stomachs are so sensitive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, uh, as you said, it can be it can be a very good guide. Uh, it it could uh, sort of you know uh, give you that sort of sensation that you know it's not just my brain telling me that uh, this is right. It's also my body <laughs> giving mm -hmm. that yeah. uh, that feedback. So no, no. Does um, IBS is that actually a um, what what type of a disorder is that? Is is it a physical disorder or? Well, it's as I said, it's a, it's a very specific disorder and a very complex complex at it uh, because it's called um, it's usually called part of a fun of functional disorders. Mm -hmm. Now these types of disorders have this characteristic uh, that you know they're not usually connected with any sort of physical or biological uh, marker that you can say oh you have this biological marker elevated therefore you have IBS it's not it's not like that what's what it's associated is uh, is with how a system functions and hence the name uh, functional disorder uh, so it's just the system itself is not functioning correctly however this is not 
caused by any damage to the tissue or any damage to an organ or anything like that. So uh, they're a very special category of, uh, of disorders in a way. Okay, let me see if I can understand that. Um, so when we talk about a functional disorder as compared to a structural, um, the actual cause in a functional disorder is not um, damaged tissue or an illness. Mm-hmm. It's it's more. Um, what it's would you how, say? How it works in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's let's see. For instance, you know, a good example of a structural disorder would be something like uh, cancer. You know, where there's a clear uh, biological and physical uh, presence uh, or uh, uh, that alters the way. Uh, your body works. Uh, in this case, there's no such thing like that. So there's no, uh, you know, it's not a question of raised or lowered uh, hormones. It's not a qu- question of, you know, there's inflammation or infection. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really just how, you know, the cogs are, you know, linking in with each other. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but. But we don't mean, you don't mean that it, this is, um, because sometimes the word functional uh, is another word for the people, it's, it's psychological. <laughs> that's that's one of those common uh, misconceptions that, you know, when whenever people, um, and it's you know, extremely common in IBS that, uh, um, you know, people, uh, when they get this diagnostic from uh, from their, uh, you know, family doctor, uh, that they say, oh, so you're saying that it's all in my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not the case. It's not the case at all. It's... Um, it's it's this very complex relation between what's happening uh, in our brain, what's happening in our gut. Uh, there seems to be uh, a bit of a deregulation of how the the signals are transmitted from one place to to the other. You know, uh, and um, that and that that in itself uh, is a problem. And, uh, what that means is that you know things like when you're uh, when you're a bit more stressed uh, that might aggravate your symptoms. It doesn't mean that it's the cause of your symptoms, but it can exacerbate uh, what okay. you're feeling. If if we try to simplify, you know, what this means, could we call this that uh, once you get into a habit, you know, uh, you know, we talk about. In, in, in our behavior psychology, we talk about conditioning, or you know, a simple word for that would be a habit. So, if we get into, if we have a tendency for the stomach to cramp, which you know, we're just born with different tendencies. Someone might have a tendency to have headaches, and another person might have a tendency for a stomach cramp. Mm-hmm. And um, this could be genetic. And then the, and then we, if we get into a habit uh, of working a certain way, our stomach acts in a certain way, uh, that it doesn't need to be any cause for this more than that we've just gotten, our body's just gotten into this habit. Mm-hmm. Would that? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, what we do when we have these experiences that sort of, you know, trains our body to respond in a certain way, yes. So, so Nuna, tell me, um, I know you've worked for quite a long time with this. Why is this psychologically stressful to have IBS? Well, 
it has to do with a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, aspects. Uh, one of it that you know uh, the type of diagnostic is always uh, done while at the same time that uh, you know a lot of physicians investigate for other possible causes while they're investigating for IBS. I mean, for a lot of years it was you know it was by exclusion. So it was uh, you know people would have investigations about you know uh, is this bowel cancer? Is this uh, inflammatory bowel disease? Something like Crohn's or colitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know by exclusion then they you know physicians would come to to an end and say okay no it's IBS. Uh, that fortunately now it's a lot more straightforward nowadays. Uh, but what this does, uh, what this does do, and what it has generated in the sort of uh, you know uh, global conscience consciousness is that you know I, is IBS associated with all these other uh, more serious, let's say more serious in terms of physical impact diseases. You know, is IBS associated with cancer? Is IBS associated? With Crohn's. So there's a lot of anxiety sometimes in people when they start feeling these symptoms that it might be cancer, it might be um, it might be Crohn's or colitis. Uh, um, uh, so you know that automatically generates a lot, a lot of anxiety. Um, okay. So the other. So so. Um, the one thing is fear. So when when we start feeling sensations. Uh, being afraid of of what this could be that that'd be one one psychological experience. Mm-hmm. And what else? Well, uh, the, the the other the other aspect is uh, of the of the of the characteristics of the illness itself. Um, so a lot of people, uh, you know, because. You know, when you're having a bout of IBS, you might need to use the toilet quite urgently. So, uh, people with IBS always have that sort of, uh, you know, nagging thought in the back of their minds wherever they go. You know, will there be a toilet available? Uh, will I will I be able to excuse myself rapidly if I need to? Um, and also, you know, also these feelings of you know other people they don't understand what I'm going through or other people might judge me and might have that sort of uh, uh, judgment of oh it's all in your head kind of thing uh, and this of course leads to also a lot of uh, a lot of um, emotional experiences like uh, shame embarrassment uh, we see a lot of people who you know sometimes they haven't even told their uh, partners who they've been with for 20 years uh, uh, we had, you know, an example of that from some of the patients that uh, that we've seen. Uh, others just get angry at the whole situation. Uh, sometimes uh, this anger is also associated with, you know, a sense, a bit of a sense of helplessness uh, mm-hmm. towards uh, towards this because people try quite hard uh, sometimes to control to change to get rid, rid of these symptoms uh, and a lot of times they don't get uh, they don't get that so they get quite angry about this sort of lack of control okay so let me try to, to understand that um, so first they react uh, with fear to these experiences and it sounds like the second thing is that they may be avoiding uh, social situations or Situations that where they don't, where they're afraid they might ha- not have immediate access to a toilet, mm-hmm. 
and um, and then this this third thing about fearing the, this lack of control and not being able to control uh, your bladder or your um, uh, uh, your, s- s- your yeah your your bowels <laughs> so that um, and this is of course um, this anxiety of being afraid of losing control could influence. I'm thinking, can that also influence that they actually then lose control? Well, uh, in a w- in a way, yes. I mean, the, what they what they tend to lose control of is uh, of the rest of their lives uh, by trying so much to address these very specific symptoms, these very specific experiences that they're having, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a pain in their stomach, whether it's just the anxiety of not knowing what's going to happen. They spend so much time and they, you know, they, they, they get, they, they put so much effort into trying to, uh, to change these, uh, these situations that sometimes what, what the control that gets lost, it, it's about what's what else is happening in their lives, and you know, there's a lot. There's a, a lot of what they do, uh, as you said, is uh, is about avoiding these experiences. So you know, they, they, a lot of people stop socializing, uh, especially any type of social interactions that involve food. So you know, going out for a dinner with friends or uh, or with family uh, becomes a sort of a no-no situation. Um, things like, you know, leisure activities, uh, you know, people who might have been, you know, quite into sports and outdoor activities, uh, they stop doing doing it because of this, you know, constant uh, anxiety about, mm. you know, would there be a toilet uh, available? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and even, and even uh, just just work in general. I mean, the amount of people who stop working because of this condition uh, mm-hmm. is uh, is unbelievable. You, mm-hmm. the, the sort of uh, percentages of people mm-hmm. who stop work or miss days of work because of this condition, as you said, it's the it's the second most common cause for people to stay mm-hmm. at home uh, mm-hmm. and not go to work. Mm-hmm. So it, can this become a vicious circle then um, if people put their lives on hold more and more and more and more trying to control and, and becoming more fearful? And actually the fear, uh, doesn't wouldn't that also cause more problems in their stomach? Well, a, a, lot, of, a lot of the things that we see is that, you know, people, because they they avoid these, these, these situations so much, you know, with the hope of preventing their symptoms from occurring, um, that, you know, what happens a lot of times is that their quality of life in general just, you know, sinks. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that usually leads to, you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, feelings of sadness, feelings of missing out uh, on life, um, which in turn, you know, just exacerbates. You know, it increases the um, the impact of uh, of the emotional and physical experiences experiences that they're already having. Uh, so, if it's like you know, if it, if they have. Uh, uh, stomach pain, it's not just a stomach pain for them. Is you know. There it goes. My life is gonna stop again. The, yeah. the the meaning behind it just becomes, you know, increased ten hundred timefold mm-hmm. because of the of the repetition of the, of these uh, of these behaviors. Hmm. So 
No, no, tell, tell me. So you, how does an ACT therapist approach IBS? <laughs> well, very gingerly. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, because of because of all these uh, societal pressures for uh, you know for not talking about these problems, um, you know we, we we usually have to have a very uh, a, a, a very careful approach when we talk with these patients. One of the things that we do work on a lot is you know trying to uncover what uh, what what are these patients missing in their lives. Um, so we do spend, uh, especially at the beginning of therapy, we, we spend a lot of time, you know, trying to dig up, uh, you know, you know how you feel and how you react to it. How is that working for you? Mm -hmm. How does that work in the short term? How does that work in the long term? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it doesn't work on the long term, what sort of impact has it had on mm -hmm. your quality of life? Uh, Which so, is usually that it's short-term win, uh, winning would be a long-term re reduction of quality of life. Is that well? And sometimes not even short-term uh, win. Uh, one of one of the things because we ran uh, we ran a lot of groups uh, with these patients. We we had a group uh, a group treatment uh, a treatment group, and uh, a lot of times you know people would do things just because. Uh, they've heard it somewhere that you know if you do this you'll get better, or uh, mm -hmm. even even the sort of old wives, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, approaches kind of thing. You know, uh, drink a, a warm glass of water and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that actually don't have don't, they don't even have any short term impact. But people keep doing it uh, mm -hmm. in the sort of faint hope that you know. I'm not doing it well enough, so I need to do more mm -hmm. of this. <laughs> so what, what types of things would people say uh, when they're thinking? Well, uh, a, a, lot, a, a lot of people um, you know, would have this, uh, would have these, uh, uh, these experiences of, of you know, uh, I'll try I'll try and you know just give an example. You know I'll try to, and avoid and go out for any for any meals uh, with my friends. Uh, that uh, when then we analyze. Okay, so how how did that how does that work for you in the short term? People might say, okay, in the short term, uh, you know it uh, sort of stopped my anxiety about whether uh, you know a toilet would be available or whether I would be able to you know go out halfway through dinner to to use the toilet. And then we'd go, okay, but how does that work? in the long term uh, and you know quite often people would come back you know well I haven't seen my friends in quite a while uh, whenever we do meet is always uh, you know it's always a very stressful experience and I don't enjoy it uh, I end up not enjoying it um, and then you know when we start talking about okay so in terms of your quality of life how has that impacted you and you know most people would say yeah that's had quite a quite a big impact because I feel like I'm not connected with mm -hmm. my friends anymore mm -hmm. so so trying to control the symptom or the possibility of feeling humiliated would trump uh, the actual connection with other human beings exactly uh, not not only that uh, a lot of them would then recognize things like you know um, actually what 
what I was trying to control, my anxiety and my symptoms, they're actually still there. Mm-hmm. They haven't gone away. And, you know, here I am, I haven't seen my friends in quite a while, or, you know, I haven't enjoyed being out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so if that's the general idea that people are avoiding um, meaningful things in their lives uh, in the while trying to control this imagined future and the embarrassment. So what? how would you actually work then as an ACT therapist? What would you do? Well, one, one of the things that we, we work a lot on is uh, what, we, what we in the ACT community call values. Uh, so uh, after we do this sort of piece of work of what are you missing out, we do a lot of work on, you know, what what do you really want to be about? You know, what's what's important for you in your life? And that's, you know, that comes very naturally from what are they missing out? Uh, you know, we, we do have this, uh, you know, this saying that, you know, in your pain you find your values and in your values you find your pain. Uh, so a lot, a lot of people, they, they quite naturally come from, okay, this, I'm missing out on this and this is quite painful and it's painful because it's very important for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know they start getting in touch again with those values and one of the things uh, that we we usually ask uh, people a lot of times is uh, you know when when you, when you when you first got IBS and you know when you first started to try and you know get rid of your IBS and try to control your experiences and your symptoms what what was that in service of why did you want it to do that you know what was uh, what did you feel at that time that that was keeping you from doing mm-hmm. so the, we we do a lot of work of you know getting them back in touch uh, with that sense of you know mm-hmm. i had a purpose i had mm-hmm. a mission uh, you know i had a path that i was following mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get them to remember how it felt to have okay uh, so have a, so finding a direction and, but then exactly. I, I imagine that they um, have a, a story about why they can't do that. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of it uh, becomes about, um, you know, a, a, a very strong identification with this, uh, with this patient role that, you know, I have, uh, I have an illness, therefore I can't do this or I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a great identification, you know, with being an IBS patient. Uh, it's almost like, you know, uh, I would do that, but I'm an IBS patient, therefore I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of this reason giving and, uh, you know, these rules about, you know, if I'm ill, I'm not able to do uh, certain things. Okay. And so how would you, what would you do about that as an ACT therapist, that type of story? Well, a lot, a lot of what we do is uh, getting them to, you know, to to see uh, these stories as as part of their ongoing experience, uh, to see them as, you know, uh, as thoughts that sort of come and go, and you know, to recognize them as thoughts uh, in a way, so to, to get them a bit of a distance between what what the thought. Is uh, is giving you what this uh, what these rules what these uh, are forcing you to do and just take a take a take a step back look at it and see okay is this useful 
to for the path I want to follow or not. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it's a lot. A lot of it is about giving them that that breathing space, that mm. wiggle room uh, to to see that you know I have you know these these thoughts, these rules are giving me one choice, but actually that's not the only choice I have. I probably mm-hmm. have you know five, six, seven other choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and we do a lot of that using what in act we call the diffusion uh, exercises uh, so a lot of uh, you know uh, seeing thoughts as thoughts labeling thoughts and emotions as mm-hmm. for what they are um, we also uh, do uh, a bit of um, what we call getting in touch with your uh, self self as context so uh, getting an uh, getting in contact with that sense of self that is observing all these experiences, that is uh, containing all all of these experiences, whether they're positive, negative, neutral, whatever it is. Um, and okay. the, let me let me just explain this. Um, you've used a couple of words we haven't used on this program before. <laughs> um, for example, um, self as context is. Uh, and you, you talk about the container of your experiences. So, so if um, um, if seeing thoughts as thoughts, or even sensations as sensations, rather than um, that I am those sensations, because if I am my thoughts and I am my sensations, of course, when those change, I am threatened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're saying, you know, backing off. And um, seeing yourself as the container of thoughts or sensations that come and go, but the container is uh, constant and can observe the change. So this would, this is what an act is called, self as context, exactly. rather than self as content. If <laughs> if you're thinking I am my thoughts, yeah. Mm. Um, so no, no. If we were, do you have an example of um, a patient wh- where you could tell us what you did and how it went for them. Well, the, there's one that uh, that comes to mind because it was uh, it was a lady that um, uh, she she had been through the ropes. Uh, I mean, she uh, she was about 50, 50 years old. Uh, she'd been struggling with uh, with bowel problems for about thirty years, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're talking about you know in thirty years ago. An IBS diagnosis was still not something that was coming to the forefront. Uh, so, you know, she underwent a lot of investigations. Uh, some of them quite, um, you know, quite, quite distressing and quite, uh, you know, uh, physically demanding. Um, she underwent all, you know, surgical uh, procedures mm-hmm. uh, to try uh, to try and get rid of these symptoms mm-hmm. until it was only. About ten years ago, that she was finally diagnosed with uh, with IBS. So after they've excluded every other option on the book, mm-hmm. she finally got this diagnosis of IBS. And uh, this lady was particularly troubled with you know this sort of, this sort of shame and embarrassment uh, of having this diagnosis that. Everyone thinks that you know it's uh, it's almost like a mental problem that's mm-hmm. on her head. Um, she was, she, you know, throughout the years she had reduced the number of 
activities that uh, gave pleasure and meaning to her life. Uh, in, you know, incredibly, she was um, almost a shut-in mm-hmm. uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. The only the only activities that she would do outside of the house would be, uh, you know, going to to, to the hospital uh, almost uh, to to see the the, the gastroenterology consultant that uh, that she was uh, working with. And very little else. She stopped working, uh, and all of this because she she always had this feeling. You know, until I get rid of this, I can't go on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was interesting. So all all of this came out. You know, when when we were doing that sort of uh, uh, initial stage of you know what have you been doing? Uh, how are you trying to address? How are you trying to address this problem? How has that been working for you? And you know, she, uh, we had this, uh, these blips, these moments of uh, where her eyes sort of, uh, you know, opened quite widely, and she was like, "Yes, I've been doing all of this to try and get rid, and I forgot mm-hmm. that I had a life to live." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this, this, it was a very powerful uh, powerful moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was a turning point where this lady all of a sudden she said okay I can I can understand what I've been doing is not getting me anywhere how do I get back on track that sounds good <laughs> that sounds that sounds really good uh, no, no, we are getting to the end of the program. So, if could you, um, uh, if we have some radio listeners that um, I'm sure we do that are suffering from IBS or maybe have family members that are, could you give us our radio listeners some advice? What, what could they do? Well, uh, first, first of all, as I as I said, you know, try to focus on what's important for you in your life. Um, because just because you have an illness like IBS, uh, it doesn't mean that you can't do things. It might mean that you might have to do things differently, but you can still take steps towards what you what you really want to do and what you really want to, to be about uh, in life. So hold, you know, your experiences, whether it's your physical symptoms whether it's your uh, difficult emotions, whether it's the difficult thoughts, the sort of distressing thoughts that pop into your head, try to hold this a bit lightly. When they do occur, you know, try to look at it, in, you know, from a perspective of, you know, if I pay attention to these experiences and if I go through, you know, the same path that I've been going through, will that lead me somewhere that I really want to be? Or is there another option that I can follow that's more uh, uh, to, that will lead me towards what I really want to do? Okay, thank you so much, Nuno, for joining us today. You've been listening to Dr. Nuno Ferraria, who is a teaching fellow in clinical psychology at the University of Edinburgh, and Nuno is a co-author of a new book. Uh, it just came out using ACT for IBS. This book is called Better Living with IBS. You can read more about Nuno and his new book by clicking on his name on this week's program on webtalkradio.com. 
In this program tonight with Nuno, we have learned that the fantasy of an imagined future of possible embarrassment or humiliation is far more of a handicap than the actual problem. And that our reaction to the problem in the form of worrying and avoidance is will probably directly elicit and maintain physical symptoms. So what maybe needs to be accepted here if you have IBS is learning is is that you tend to react with stress with your stomach and you could see this tendency of your body's own voice telling you to take it easy which might be a blessing in disguise so thank you for joining us Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.